Welcome to Hard Sell, a podcast where my brother and I give each other the hard sell on a piece of media we like, like a book or a movie, a video game, or a podcast musical. I'm Kyle Bloom. I'm Tim Bloom. And I'm Cozy Hanula. I will never not get a kick out of the fact that we've added podcast musical to one of the core uh, areas <laughs> of focus of the podcast. It's, it's been formative in our claim to fame. True. Um... And this week, I just wanted to ask uh, both of you a simple question. Are you excited for the Outer Wilds DLC to come out? Is that a real thing? That's a real thing. Um, um wait, I didn't know that. I've not heard about this. I'm being coy because I knew neither of you had heard about it. Um, uh... Outer Wilds uh, DLC was spotted on um, the Steam like developer page. It was called Echoes of the Eye. Um, uh, I but, feel like uh, I've seen this. Uh, but there wasn't anything confirmed. There weren't any announcements. Uh, but in response to that, um, Annapurna, the mm-hmm. developers of the game, just uh, in on a reply in Twitter, just tweeted the like the little eye emoji. Amazing. Um, like the eyes looking one way emoji? No, just like the 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 big googly eye. Oh. Um so then in a very recent uh teaser for upcoming Annapurna games, there is uh a couple of shots, like short clips of just Outer Wilds characters going through places that definitely weren't in the original game. Oh shit. So it is very real. And it's happening. We don't have any dates or anything, but I'm very excited to see. I'm very excited, and I'm also skeptical about how they can do this as a DLC. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what they mean by DLC. So, we'll see. Yeah. There's, I, I mean, there's a lot it could be. I hope it's a different, like, setting. I hope it's not, like, a new planet, because I feel like that would, like, ruin the core of the game. Well, it's called like Echoes of the. S- it's called Echoes of the Eye, right? Well, we can't talk about this without uh, spoiling something, um, probably for our listeners. But my guess is that it does not take place within the canon timeline of Outer Wilds. Okay. Would be my guess. That I am on board with. I'm excited about. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm down for like anything that the studio comes out with at this yeah, point. Yeah, whether it's like I Outer trust Wilds the studio too to like do it well. I I'm very excited. I didn't. I was just browsing uh, literally today, and I found this, and I was like, "That's not real." Uh, and I I looked into <laughs> it, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is real!" There's I never thought a game like Outer Wilds. Like I never thought we were gonna get more content from. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that we're getting anything is is amazing hopefully yeah. i feel like yeah i've been burned by <laughs> life is strange how have i feel you like been burned th- by life is strange because i loved life is strange and i'm not loving life is strange too which i'm currently okay. playing it just feels like not it's got that like same reason i love miniseries is because oh i like God. want the thing to be planned always about miniseries always because he prefers my favorite media to be complete take. in less than like forty-five minutes, ideally. But it can. It's go. all about time. <laughs> what do you mean in less than forty-five minutes? Okay. I mean, okay. mini series, sped up podcasts. Cozy yeah. just thinks life is too slow. It's a little bit about time. All right, whatever. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm just saying, like it's like the second season of a show or the sequel to the thing. It's often disappointing, and I, I don't want that for Outer Wilds. Well, yeah, I yeah. want it to be its beautiful thing always, and I'm excited for more content again because I trust that that studio can do a good job. I'm just like a little. I feel like I've been burned a few times by the the sequel to things. Yeah, I think that's it, fair. It is Mass Effect Andromeda was uh, was was something that was disappointing after the first three Mass Effect games. I will admit. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of disappointing sequels. It is interesting because it's the original game is such like a contained thing, 
We talk about yeah. Outer Wilds so much on this podcast. This has it's become more like to me. This has become an Outer Wilds fan cast that we just also sometimes talk about other things. And <laughs> what's the issue with that? I don't have an issue. I just want to make sure we're on board with that. Good. We should add it to the intro, I think. <laughs> an Outer Wilds <laughs> fan cast? Where no, we review well, movies, like, TV, we review video movies, games, TV podcast shows, musicals, and Outer and Wilds Outer again. Wilds. <laughs> I think we should turn this podcast into a podcast musical about Outer Wilds. I quit. Votes? Thoughts? Oh, I'm in. Yes. You, you and Cody I know nothing it. about songwriting, though, so you're going to have to write the songs. Um, I will perform in it. <laughs> yes. This is a better reception than I thought I'd get. There you go. Two of three. I guess you can each outvote me. All right, so this is our last episode of Hard Cell. No, Maybe wait. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I thought I would share and I thought it'd be fun to get the, your, y'all's reaction to the fact that we're going to get more Outer Wilds content since we've talked about it so much here already uh, on, on recording. Yes, I'm very I'm pumped. I, I, now that you bring it up, I feel like I had seen a thing. I hadn't seen Annapurna's response. Um, and I definitely did not see any of the trailer stuff. So immediately after we finish recording, I'm going to start. Uh, going frame by frame through the video that you mentioned. It's very quick, and it's included in a lot of other, like, gameplay of other games that they're announcing, too. Yeah. But... That's... Um... Is Annapurna... Have they only done Outer Wilds, or is it they done other games, too? Annapurna's the the publisher, so they've partnered with, uh, like, lots of games. I see, okay. What Remains of Edith Finch is probably one you've heard of that Annapurna published as well, but they've done a lot of other, like, a lot of the, like, big indie games are Annapurna. I see. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, anyways, on a similar thread, speaking of things that are confusing yet repetitive. Are you, is that in reference to the podcast? To Hardcell? That was supposed to be (laughs) in reference to the Stanley Parable. Yeah, but. What were we speaking of that was confusing and repetitive? So, anyways, uh, Tim, Great. you uh, reviewed the, you played the Stanley Parable these past couple weeks. Um, I did. Uh, do you want to tell us about your thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, and nightmares in in relation to it? Sure, in that order. Um, or or just any, you can just talk about it. Okay, let's spend a while on nightmares first. Sounds good. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I pl- so I played the Stanley Parable. Um, this was another one by, you know, in part by Davey Reeton, who uh, built the Beginner's Guide that we reviewed earlier, in an earlier episode. Um, and it reminded me a lot of, of that game in, in Vibe. You play Stanley, there's an omniscient narrator, just like there is in the beginner's guide you're going through you have a first person view of these sort of like pre-constructed square spaces with sharp angles um and like long distance view at different points if that makes sense um similar to the beginner's guide like it definitely you could feel that it was made by the same person um so it was interesting Kyle teed it up both in our Beginner's Guide episode and in the last episode when he pitched it for real. Um, so I won't, I'll try not to rehash as much as I can, but you play Stanley, who ha- is portrayed as like the stereotypical office worker who pushes buttons in a preset order that his computer tells him to, and that's what he does in his office eight hours a day. Uh, and that's his whole job, and he works in an office of people, but one day no one is there, and he hears a narrator's voice in his head, and you can, like, explore the office, and you get to a point where like, there are, like, two doors, the narrator says, Stanley came to a room with two doors, the narrator has a British accent, I'm not going to do a British accent, but came to a room with two doors, and he went through the left door to get to the break room, and you can choose, you control yourself, at no point does it ever take control of you, so you can do that, or you can walk through the right door. And then the narrator will say something like, for some reason, Stanley decided he needed to visit the conference room instead, or whatever the case is. Um, and it's really interesting. And it plays with this idea of um, 
with lots of different ideas, but it's sort of funny and witty. You, the narrator gets more and more exasperated as you don't listen to his instructions. Um, it's uh, Or you listen to his instructions and kind of try to find out the story, kind of, um, and figure out what's going on with Stanley. Um, so that's the conceit of the game. I think it's uh, pretty difficult to talk about without spoiling. So I will just dive into spoilers at this point. Go ahead. It's a pretty old game at this point. It's pretty old and it's very fast. I think I, I mean, I looked it up. I think I got probably 75% of the endings and I played it for like three hours, I want to say. Something like that. Cool. Um, so, so I got through quite a bit of it. Um, I immediately understood the appeal of playing this multiple times. I think anytime I have to play a lot of the games I really like, like Outer Wilds, for example, have some element of like repetition or like replaying a game or near automata that you have to like play through the full game a second time, basically. Um, however, I still was kind of skeptical of like, am I going to get bored of this? Am I going to, is this going to be worth it? But as soon as I, so my first playthrough, I just followed what the narrator said. I was like, okay, now I'm interesting. I'm, I'm now I'm going to play through this at least twice because you told me to play through it at least twice. So yes. my first playthrough, I'm just going to try listening to everything the narrator says and doing all of those things. And then I'll, based on how it goes, I'll decide what I want to do for the second playthrough. Uh, and as soon as I got to the, the part of the game where you could go to either escape or mind control room, I was like, oh, I can see why... I would play this game many times because I deeply wanted to know what was down both. I probably stopped for like 60 full seconds at that turn. And I was like, I don't know if I want escape or mind control room because they're both super interesting sounding. Uh, so I, I enjoyed that. I was worried it was going to like drag on, but the different endings or different tracks, I guess, that you can go down as Stanley uh, felt very different, so I think that was helpful. I also played this game this week, and yes. I immediately disobeyed every rule I could possibly <laughs> disobey or whatever, all the directions. And then I got really worried that I had missed the the main... I, like, got really off track, and I couldn't get back to the main thread, and I um was a little confused the rest of the time because I didn't know what the right track was supposed to look like. Yeah, I think honestly, cozy. I think uh, the way you played it is the the sort of common way. Uh, it's it's so much more enticing to it. Like you understand that like the the game is basically taunting you to try and mm -hmm. disobey that. I think that's the way I did it uh, when it came out. It was very popular with a lot of like YouTube content creators. Yeah. I haven't. I watched a few playthroughs. I haven't seen a single playthrough where, on their first time, they followed the directions. So I guess uh, I think it means I'm a sociopath. Way to, way to be a cog in the machine, mm -hmm. Tim. Thank you. I think what I it did means... want the game where you just have to push the button the entire like you have to be the employee pushing the buttons, and then you have to decide if you want to like break free from the directions or not. I thought that's what the game was going to be when they did the voiceover at the beginning. Amazing. You're just, like, pushing buttons for a long time? Mm-hmm. Cute. <laughs> I'd also play that game, though. What? Great. Well, no, but, like, then something would happen if you started disobeying the directions, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I played through. I did the, the sort of general ending. Um, my next playthrough... I was just trying to see if anything had changed. I was, like, looking around, and I was like, this seems like the same thing. And so, like, is it... The impression I was getting, it was like, okay, so there's probably, like, eight tracks or something like that, and I just did one, so I need to find the other tracks, but nothing else is going to change between them, was my guess. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I was just, like, clicking on doors to try to figure out if you could, if anything was different, if any doors that were locked before were open now. Uh, and then he started commenting about, like, you're not going to get, like, an achievement for clicking on these doors. Or if you do, you're going to have to work way harder for it. Uh, 
and I followed that all around until I got the door clicking achievement, which took like 15 <laughs> minutes. I'm not an achievement person, but I thought that was so funny. And so you got the achievement. I did get the achievement. That's um, so fun. And that is when I realized. So my immediate guess with this game, and it is doing this a little bit, is that it was like a critique of like office work and like capitalism a little bit of like the mindlessness of working. Mm-hmm. But I, that's not what it's about. It's about the mindlessness of video games. Like, th- that is what this is. Like, this whole game is a parody, especially, like, if you consider the context of when this game came out. So it came out in 2013. The biggest games, when it was probably being developed in, like, 2012, were Dishonored, Mass Effect 3, and Skyrim, which are all games that are, like, open world not level dependent your choices quote unquote matter there are different routes you can take like this is this was like very in vogue this idea of like you can kind of tell where the story wants you to go but you can totally do something different um i think this whole game is like making fun of the style of video games that those are because the truth is that they're all an illusion right like every you every the idea that the video game wants you to head down a story and you can rebel against it is an artifice. Like, the video game wants you to head down whatever story you want, and that's why it sets up separate wings. Uh, and so by doing something in a different order, or doing something in a different, like, whatever the case is, like, not in the way that it's clearly scripting to you, you're not actually breaking the game, but it feels like you're breaking the game. Uh, in a way that's actually heavily scripted. And so I sort of just rambled there for a few minutes. But I love that this game, I think it makes fun of that in such a clever way. And the way that it talks about, like, again, it tees up, like, he's someone who presses buttons in the specific order he's told until he's told he does a good job. And I was like, oh, that's not an office job. That's a video game. That's what playing a video game is. Yep. Uh, And so that, when that sort of like dawned on me at that moment when I got that thing, I was like, oh, and I thought about this game very differently after that point. The 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 sort of connotations right at the starting monologue of just the idea of like cubicle work and capitalism is is very surface level and apparent mm-hmm. that Stanley is an office drone. Ta-da. Um, but. And then you think about it, and we have Davey Reardon once again making a video game about the... A very meta video game about the nature of video games themselves. Yeah. And I think I think especially because of the beginner's guy, that was easy to come to. But then, like, you know, my next ending was uh, when I went through the right door, I got to the platform, and I jumped off it to see if I would die. Uh, and I did, and I got sassed yep. by the narrator, who said, good job, Stanley, everyone thinks you're very powerful, uh, because you broke the, because you did the thing you weren't supposed to do, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I see where we're going, I'm here for this now, like, any of these, again, like, my Discord profile picture is the, like, icon from Dr. Langeskov, the tiger and the terribly cursed emerald, or whatever, which is another, like, meta commentary on game development and game playing, like, I'm always here for these kinds of games, uh, and so that was very fun to realize that this was another good one of those. Yeah, it's super fun. I have a random question. Yeah. Um, towards the start of the game, uh, you can there's you can just like sit. There's a conference room. You could just sit in there for a really long time, and the narrator keeps trying to get you to leave. Did you? Did you stay in there? I did in the broom closet. I like stayed in the broom closet. Oh, the broom closet. And then the broom closet got boarded up, but I did not stay in the conference room. Ugh. And the conference room is very funny. You just, because this game, it's so, it's, it takes scripted one level farther than you think it will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, you can stay in those places for like a really long time and you keep expecting there to be some kind of loop or silence. And then right when you're about to be like, ah, oh, there's nothing else here. There's another new line of dialogue and you're yeah. like, ah, so there's more. Yeah. I felt the same thing. So my favorite part of this game 
was the quote-unquote confusion ending. That's uh, the first ending I got. <laughs> See, I feel like that would be so trippy for that to be the first ending you get. And is, yeah, it I, was. Because the first thing that happened is I got to, like, the first, like, thing. It, like, quote-unquote restarted. And then, like, the original path was just gone. So I couldn't even go down, try to follow any of the narrator's directions because the narrator was confused. Um, it was very you, confusing. Can you remind me uh, what the confusion ending is? Because I don't remember what they're called. Yeah. It's, um, it's the one where you go through the ride and you pick up the phone and you wind up in your apartment with your mannequin wife. And then the narrator <laughs> like, babbles about philosophy forever. And then it's the one where you, the like yellow line of like, follow this line to get to the Stanley Parables it, it just adventure. It goes everywhere. Uh, yeah, and the narrator keeps restarting because, like, it keeps doing things the narrator's not expecting. Mm-hmm. So it's like you get to the room with the two doors, and it's like 17 doors, and he doesn't know which one you're supposed to go through. Like, the narrator can't find the story. That's the confusion ending. Oh my god, that was also the first one I got. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah, I thought that one was very fun, and that was one that, like, broke my thought that it was just going to kind of be like because you know i thought it was going to be like a mass effect where like there are five doors you can walk in but fundamentally or like life is strange is maybe the better comparison where like there are choices you make and then those choices lead to one of two endings and then the choices that you made along the way affect who is featured in the cutscene at the end but otherwise that's how the game is. And in this, like, the, the lines you go down give you a very different experience and, like, a different message. They're all playing this, this larger idea that, like, all of this is fake. Like, you don't actually have any impact in this. You're just walking through. Um, but they tell it, they show that in different ways. Um, so I think that was really yeah. well done. I feel like at, like, every turn it, like, would subvert my expectation. Even, like, me knowing what the game was, I would still, like, expect it to go a different way than it always ended up going. Yeah. I, I just love the confusion ending when the line appears for the first time. It's like, the Stanley Parable story is this way. Follow the line. And the narrator says something like, well, you have the line now, so you don't be, lead me. Let's do some, like, cool adventure music. And it blares this really <laughs> loud... Uh, like dun 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 music as you're just like walking through this office following this yellow line for like five minutes, uh, and it's it's just very very funny to me. It's the cool adventure music. Yeah, and I think that is the that is the piece, right? The adventure line is like traditional video games. That is that is what that part is making fun of is like traditional on rails video games. Of like, you can deviate from the line a little bit, but ultimately you still just need to like follow the line. Where the Stanley Parable broadly is a parody of like open world games. I think the Adventure Line piece is like a parody of traditional linear video games, both of which I think are deeply funny. It's also just great when the line goes out like into the ceiling or like in just like along up on the wall and stuff. That is just great to me. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's something that like Davy Reedon did really well in the Beginner's Guide too. Is like add characterization to the world, like even to just like the setting, like the way that jail cell bars would come down, or like the way a lamp flickered would like give you a vibe about it. And I think the adventure mm-hmm. line does too, where like the way that it's drawn makes it feel almost like like almost like an animal that's like kind of out of control even though it's just literally like a yellow line drawn on the floor and walls and ceiling um i think like the art direction and stuff like that in this game is so well done to tell a story without specifically without telling a story and so i think that felt really unique and cool Absolutely. Uh, Tim, did you have a favorite ending? Yeah, I mean, I really liked the confusion endings. Um, those are definitely my favorite. I loved the museum one, just because, like... Oh, me too. Yeah. 
I think that ending was, like, the most straight ending. Like, it was the most, like, not in the bit. Like, it, it really kind of breaks the fourth wall. And it says, like, here is what we're doing. <laughs> and, like, here is what we want people to see in all of those pieces. And just, like, again, as someone who this is interesting to me as a topic, I liked seeing that. And, like, going through the museum being like, here were earlier iterations of it. This sort of taking you behind the scenes. That was the part that felt most Dr. Langeskov-y to me. Um, and so I think I really liked that one. Awesome. Uh, do you do you have any uh, extra sort of final thoughts on any of the endings or the stuff that you went through uh, before we get a verdict? Um, I'm just looking through my notes again. I liked the narrator just generally. I thought the voice acting for that was very well done. It didn't feel like too professional. It had this still sort of like um, indie is not really the word I'm looking for, but like. A kind of like rough edge to it but it was very funny and very not funny like i don't think i ever like laughed at this game but it was very clever um a lot of it was very clever a lot of like the writing on the walls and things like that were very funny you go to your boss's office at some point and it has like a picture of just like a faceless guy in a suit with a tie and a plaque underneath says world's most expensive boss um <laughs> there's just like little <laughs> Stuff. There were also like quotes in the executive bathroom every time you go in it would yeah. change. Um, so that was like a good little they were always like really funny though. Yeah, and, and I would echo um really what Cozy said that like I was constantly it feels at first like a smaller game than it is. I was constantly surprised at how many like new lines of dialogue there were and like new ways to interact with different things um and i think it does that intentionally because it knows that like the more you do that the more it feels like you're not on rails even though you are on rails um i think mm -hmm. it also like it it makes its point not just or through like you continuing to think you figured out the game and then it's like no you haven't i'm still playing you like you're not in charge here and, like, I think the more you, like, the longer you go into the game, you're like, oh, I have this figured out, you know, I know what this game is, and then it's like, no, you don't. You never will. <laughs> yeah, there's a specific point where the narrator, I think it's during the, like, philosophy babbling part of the confused ending, when the narrator's talking about Stanley, the character you supposedly are playing, uh, and he says, in this world, he can never be anything other than an observer. Um and again, like, that, that is the piece from, like, it's making fun of video games. Like, you can be Shepard, and you can make all the decisions you want, but all of those decisions were pre-planned and programmed. All of those cutscenes were pre-written. You can't actually have an impact on anything that's happening. You are watching a piece of art that was made. You're just consuming something that was made by someone else. The, like, magic of video games is that it tricks you into thinking you're a participant. Uh, mm. and I think this game, that is what this game is saying, and it says it in, like, a very clever, very, like, fun to play with way. Um, I think the only other, I don't I think I have thoughts on specific endings, because, again, I think the truth is, like, the point of the game is not about the specific endings. Um, I think it's about, like, the experience as a whole and what the endings together are trying to say. Um, which I think I've hit. I think um, I just like a lot of the spaces. Again, like the museum, I think, is like rendered really well. It's wild to think this was... Wasn't this originally like a Half-Life 2 mod? Yeah. Yeah. So like the renderings are super well. The like mind control room with all of the videos was like really, really cool. Um, and really well done. was sufficiently creepy. Um, and, fright <laughs> and just like the... Again... I mean, I think I said this about the Beginner's Guide, and I think it's true here as well. Just, like, the way that lighting is used and the way that, like, very subtle music cues hit at certain times and things like that. Like, the direction of this game is, like, uh, uncommonly well done for any game, let alone, like, a game made by 
a team of like very few people. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Absolutely. Uh, and so, oh, last uh, thing, last thing, oh. I may have addressed this briefly. Uh, I love that there's no real story. Maybe it's an ending I didn't get, so correct me if I'm just wrong, but I love that like you don't find out what happened to the other co-workers. No, that's that's never a thing. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought I must, my assumption based on the adventure line not leading anywhere was that it's never explained why his coworkers and boss aren't there and why this is happening. Uh, because it's not the point. The point is it's about Stanley, but also at the same time it's not about Stanley because Stanley doesn't exist. He's just a artifice for the player. Like all of this is just wrapped up in it. Uh, and I think by fully not having a story, it helps drive that home of like you can choose to do whatever you want. There is no a plot story. Um, I I thought that that was really fun and a sort of like brave choice, especially for a game this long. I'm sure they had some people who played, got like every ending, and then were like, "What the hell?" I like didn't who missed what the game was trying to do. Um, and so I think not indulging that in any way w- was a bold choice that I appreciated. Yeah, I mean, I think not having any story, like, never really going into um, why, you know, why the co-workers aren't there and any of that stuff that you think is going to be addressed based on the opening monologue, um, uh, that's that's just all part of the very, like, meta-commentary of how the sort of, like, fourth wall breaking of how, like, actually, none of that matters. This is just a spit like there were never co-workers this is just a space we built for you to play a game for a couple hours yeah like and we're we're not going to indulge anything past that right stanley does not exist stanley is just a generic protagonist name for you absolutely so um with all that being said would you say the stanley parable is a ya or a na um, I would say that the Stanley Parable is definitely a yaw. Um, I, great. Um, we should make sound bites for yaw and na. Great. I'll let you get right on that. I'll do it. Um, I think I think I like the Beginner's Guide better between the two of them. Like I think the Beginner's Guide was just a little bit tighter. A little bit. The Beginner's Guide felt like Davy Reed's second game, whereas this felt like a first game. Uh, that had like a lot of cool ideas, but was a little bit looser, a little bit less like refined. Um, but I thought it was really good for all the all the stuff that I said. Like it tackles topics that I think are interesting. I think it does it in really clever ways. Um, that again, I've seen other games kind of do. Again, Doctor Langiskov is the closest one, but it it has kind of a different tone. Doctor Langiskov is more just sort of like a funny skit, almost like a funny. 15 minute digital sketch about like how yeah, crazy so short. game development is. And this this is a longer thing that again has I think more to say about like what it means to play a video game. It's so funny that Davy Reedon has put out two games as far as I can tell, at least two that I'm I'm aware of, and both are like deep meditations on like what it means to create video games. Um but I think they're really well done and I think it it uh it was fun to play. Again, I think I think it was a little long for me. There were like, a, it, by the end, I was kind of like, all right, I just kind of want to like get to the other endings and things like that. Um, but overall, I thought it was really good and definitely worth playing. Um, absolutely. Well, I'm very glad you liked it. Yeah. What were the? What was like? I didn't really ask you. What was your like favorite ending? Was there something you really liked? Mine was the museum. Sure. I I really appreciate it, the, like, um, look into that kind of thing. I thought it was super... I think I thought about it as, like, something deeper than it was, almost, at the time. Mm. Um, it was like, look at this cool shattering of the fourth wall they're doing. They're allowing us to, like, perceive this through the lens of a developer while he's still... And, it, like, it, I, I went, like, three layers deeper than I needed to. Um. <laughs> But I did, like, that sort of, like, look into that because all the, like, different maps and stuff that could have been uh, were were actually part of their sort of d- 
development. They just cleaned it up and put it as part of the game. I thought, I always think it's cool to see. Yeah, or did they? Is like, <laughs> or, or is this all fake and they just created this for this to say this thing? And you, you, there's no way to know. It's the sort of, it reminds me, so Bo Burnham has been very much on my mind because um, he's everywhere in my TikTok since Inside came out. Um, and it reminds me of the bit from an earlier special of his where he like knocks the water bottle over and it seems like an accident. And then the track plays it's like, he meant to knock the water over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Art is a lie. Nothing is real. Um, this game reminded me of that sometimes. Where it was like, you have this illusion of choice, but it's all fake. It's all just this linear thing. And so I was thinking about that when I was looking in the museum as well. As I was like, I bet some of this is real. Um, some of this is probably renderings, but I bet some of this is just total BS. Some of this is just like stuff they put in this museum. Uh, yeah, because you want it to be real. You want right. to have that like, I think as as viewers, as consumers of any media that we enjoy, you you always have this like innate desire to have any kind of parasocial relationship with the thing that you're consuming um so you want to believe that that you're being given some sort of weird viewer exclusive sneak peek into the thing that you're enjoying yeah but you're not that's a pretty easy ending to get i'm sure basically everyone who played this game got that ending at some point uh so yeah, I think it's I think that's really well done. All right. Okay, um now that we've talked about the Stanley Parable, we will jump into our Cozy Hanula's middle segment. I'm I'm being a sound box today. Okay, sweet. Can you do an air horn for me? All right, thanks. Um, okay, so I'm bringing back another uh, segment that I've done before. Um, it's time for some hard sell spinoffs. Awesome. Yeah. This is my favorite new segment. Okay, I hope you're ready. Okay, remind the listeners and me of the exact rules of this middle segment. But don't I remind me. <laughs> pitch, uh, I pitch, uh, so it's, they're spinoffs of our podcast, so we're still the host of it. It's just like a new, um, like a, it's a spinoff podcast, like a spinoff TV show. So, you're so it's set in us. the same universe, but it's a new podcast we host. You guys rate them one to five stars for how much merit the idea holds so it's, as it's a spinoff idea. So it's how much idea. merit the idea holds as a spinoff. So how much we think it could be its own spinoff. Yeah. Or how much we want to do it. Is it which one of those? Or both, I guess. Um, you, just however you want to interpret the stars, honestly, is fine. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um. So, this first one is called uh, "Catch You on the Flippity Flop." Sure. And right. um, the premise is that we just um, we talk about media that was like flopped at the box office, like it was supposed mm -hmm. to do really well, and then did really bad, and that's specifically the media we um review every week. I mean. That sounds I, like a real thing. I was like, going to say, I think we borderline shouldn't air this part because it feels like something we should do <laughs> because that should be a thing and or something that might exist under another name. Isn't there yeah, a podcast does... called The Flop House? Not that I've heard of, but that know. doesn't mean it's not real. <laughs> uh, the Flop House is a comedy podcast about films that flop either commercially or critically produced every two weeks. I swear I didn't focus on a specific idea. bad movie. So thank you for fully just stealing the Flophouse premise. But so five out of five in terms of how good of a premise it is, uh, okay. because there's a wildly successful podcast that has this mm -hmm. exact premise. Okay. A zero out of five for originality. Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> no problem. Um. Okay. Fine. Uh, next. Next podcast idea. Um. This one's called Catch You on the Flippity Flop. Um. And in this one, we get really into the sport of trampolining sure. um and then we make the i'm assuming first um podcast that's like a commentary on you know what's happening in the sport of trampolining what is the sport of trampolining you know i you know on tiktok <laughs> when people <laughs> that's that's have, not the, they jump off the wall and yeah, then there's the trampoline at the the like i don't know what, what it's really called i don't but either they do the flips off the trampolines on the wall. 
And this is I'm also assuming there's com- competitions for that. And so, yeah. that we would watch you, the competitions and get really in, like figure out who all the important people were, and I think it would be a really great podcast. Sure. I I okay. This it was it was, that was a bit right that this was also called Catch on the Flippity Flop. Um, you may find a theme as we continue going through the <laughs> podcast ideas. Oh no! Because I swear, I swear, I had like a full moment of like a glitch in the matrix. I thought I went back in time a minute. <laughs> Because you were so nonchalantly like, this one's called Catch You on the Flippity Flop. And I was like, we just did this. What? Uh, but no, I think, um, would, would we have to participate in the trampolining? Would, are we engaging in God, this sport? No. I think I would die. Have you heard any sports radio podcasts? It's all people who would, who would like break a hip if they ever attempted to do that. Isn't but... every, like, almost every NFL announcer a former football player? Yeah, you know what former football players have? Bad hips. Because they... Okay. Not relevant. Either way... So we are you, Kyle, are you thinking we have to become trampoliners, retire, I, and then we can do the podcast? I want to become a trampoliner. Thoughts? I guess live your best life. This might Just get in the careful. way of me counting... Of my practice counting cards. Perhaps. Though I think a lot of them are in Las Vegas, so maybe you can double up. Yeah, it all comes together. Either way, this is a 5 out of 5, because I've also seen these people all over TikTok, and they do manufacture a lot of fake drama that would be good uh, for us to talk about on a podcast. We could be sort of like the WWE announcers to the trampoline wall weird people. Cool. I'm giving this a 2 out of 5. I think think we'd have enough... I think we'd have enough for like 20 minutes of content and then we'd have nothing else to say we just talk about outer wilds again that's fine i'm yeah, my I'm assumption that, is actually. that all of these spin-off podcasts are secretly outer wild podcasts <laughs> we just also they change the fake premise that we've set up yeah amazing um okay and then this next uh spin-off idea is called catch you on the flippity flop um, and it's uh-huh. you guys take turns coming up with pancake recipes, and then the other person <laughs> has to make and eat the pancake recipe, and then um, we review it. Wow. So if the other person <laughs> has to eat it, is it allowed to make intentionally bad recipes? I'm, I think that's at least half the fun. Oh, man. This is a five out of five. Wow. <laughs> Uh, this is a one out of five for me for two major reasons. One, I don't actually like pancakes. I'm just, like, not a pancake guy. So even the best pancake, I'm going to be like, this is okay, but I can eat half of this. And then you I'm will done. never get the best pancake from me. Yeah, well, regardless. Um, two, we also live halfway across the country from Kyle. Uh, so having a somewhat frequent podcast is going to be very costly. So uh, Mail the pancakes. Yeah, one out of five. (laughs) I want to make you a mac and cheese pancake. I don't want to eat it. All right. Um, Okay, so then uh, my final podcast spinoff pitch for you guys is um, called Catch You on the Flippity Flop. And I wrote this down before Kyle said anything. And I really think you're going to like this one. (laughs) Um, It's Kyle Learns to Count Cards. And then we do a podcast where uh, he tries to get away with counting cards in Vegas. I'm pretty sure, as I said last time, when you proposed this under a different uh, podcast title, this is still a five out of five for me. (laughs) You're breaking my brain. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've restarted like three times. I, I I I still think this is a five out of five. I will say this is this hits close to home for me because so many people I in my life that I didn't realize were listening to our podcast. I will have like full like I'll like spend time with them. I make a point to like see old friends and stuff, and like I'll spend a full two hours talking to them. I'll be like I should get going, and they'll just like wink at me and be like catch you on the flippity flop, and then leave. <laughs> And it's, it's been messing with my head. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm glad that Cozy has added to your uh, psychic horror. Here's where the nightmares come in. There you go. We got oh, to yeah. it. 
Love it. All right. Great middle segment. Now we have our list of all of the new podcasts we need to start. Oh, yep. geez. In all our spare time. Um, Except for the first one, because that's already a thing. I that's didn't true. know it was already a thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Surprisingly, I do no research um, for any of these. <gasps> <gasps> or does she? Bum, bum, bum. You'll never know. Breaking the fourth wall. Wow. Okay, let's do the so third segment. Drama. And this is the third segment. Just awful transition game. Just I, consistently I, week in, week out. I think that's now a feature of the podcast. It's, so yeah, it's get becoming better. a thing. Yeah. It's, it's the Kyle Bloom brand. To be terrible at transitions. Yeah. Awesome. It's what we're here for. I'm good at them when you host. Sure. Whatever you say. Um, okay, so my hard sell for this week. Kyle. Yes. Tell me what you think about Star Wars. Oh man. Just oh, that's uh, that's I can't All do right, that let me simply. Narrow, let me narrow it down for you. Tell me how you feel about the Star Wars prequels and Clone Wars TV show. Okay. You're allowed um, to have separate feelings about both of those things, but talk cool. to me about your history with those. The so the Star Wars franchise as a whole uh, <laughs> which is not what you asked me okay, to do. Great. Um, is is just as a baseline is something that I love. Um, I'm I'm a big Star Wars fan. I appreciate consuming their media. You're a big uh, Wars head. I don't like that. Mm. Um, but the uh, Star Wars prequels. I think I feel very similarly to others about episodes one and two. They're um, they aren't the worst movies that have ever come out in the history of the world. Sure, because but, Lord of the um, Rings is. But yeah, I am wow. so angry, <laughs> so bold. This is upsetting. Um, but uh, I I will say that they are some weak links in in the Star Wars sure. <laughs> cinematic experience. They're pretty badly written. And acted in a lot of parts. Um, I like I like the third one. Uh, I think it's well done. It de- it has to this day the best live action Star Wars lightsaber fight. Okay. Um, in my opinion, but and then the Clone Wars TV show, I go back and forth on. I like sure. that it happened. Um, there's a lot of really good stuff. A lot of the stuff that has to do with the more serious plot threads moving forward. Yeah. Um. The, like in and outs of the politics and all that is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's way, way too much, so too many side episodes of just like Padme and Jar Jar fucking around. <laughs> uh, that sure. I like. There, there's a lot. There's a lot of filler. Um, I, I think if the Star Wars: The Clone Wars uh, series was like, I don't know, four a mini series seasons. Oh my god. I'm going to explode. Um, <laughs> just I, like... I'm just saying that you guys keep saying it. You, you're making the argument it should be a miniseries. You're just like not saying it directly. Wow. If it was like four or five seasons instead of the full seven, we yeah. and you just cut out not not any of the seasons, but you just cut out the like pointless episodes. Mm-hmm. I think I would have gotten through it easier. But I do in I do enjoy the experience overall. Sure. Okay. So because you have fondness for the prequels and you like the politics pieces of them and you and clearly based on the podcast that we have started together, you enjoy overanalyzing things. uh, Oh, so much. And clearly because we have started a podcast, you at least have some appreciation for podcasts and you got a podcast musical. I feel confident in proposing to you our first official hard sell of a podcast, which is A More Civilized Age, a Clone Wars podcast. Uh, this is a podcast. Isn't the podcast musical technically still a podcast? Yes, yeah, but it wasn't officially it wasn't, it wasn't uh, a, a, sold. A theming of an episode. It was a bonus middle oh, oh, segment. Oh, 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 okay. So I'm claiming this is a, our first hard sell of a podcast. Awesome. Keep going. Um. A More Civilized Age, a Clone Wars podcast. 
hosted by a bunch of people you've probably heard me talk about before. Austin Walker is the GM of Friends at the Table uh, and was previously the editor-in-chief at Waypoint. Now he hosts the Waypoint Radio podcast and does a bunch of other things as well. Um, is one of the hosts. He's joined by Rob Zachney, who I believe is the managing editor of Waypoint. Don't quote me on that, but he, he works at Waypoint. Um, Natalie Watson, who's now a game developer, but also used to work at Waypoint. And Ali Akampora, who's a cast member on Friends at the Table. And basically, what they do is they take a super deep dive into the prequel movies and then the Clone Wars cartoon. And they watch each of the episodes. They don't do a separate podcast episode about every Clone Wars episode. That would be kind of a lot because they're 20-minute kids' cartoons. Um, However, they watch these shows, and I think the podcast is phenomenal. They have great banter. Like, they've all worked together, and they're all friends and things like that. They've all been on podcasts together before. So I think they have great rapport with each other, and their senses of humor are, are very good. It's very funny. They get into good debates about whether the various characters are insects or bugs. If you had to categorize every Star Wars character as an insect or a bug, they have debates about who is the messiest Jedi, whether Yoda is secretly evil. Lots of good, funny things, but also, like, good critique of some of these movies and, like, discussion about the politics and, like, the implications of various storylines and what they say about the Republic and how it functions as a bureaucracy and, like, how it's broken already. And, like, all of... It, it like, takes all of these themes really seriously in a way that, like, maybe they don't deserve. Uh... Maybe more seriously than even the creators intended. Maybe not. It's hard to know. Uh, but either way, I think it's a deeply fun listen. Uh, and so I think you'll enjoy it. Um, awesome. How, how long is this and or are there segments that you want me to listen to? Yes, it's very long. Uh, they, they are the originators of five-star runtimes, I would say. So the episodes vary between an hour and a half, and I believe they have one four and a half hour long episode. Um, oh. So, <clears throat> the original conceit of the podcast was they were going to listen, watch episode one, and then have a podcast about it. Watch episode two, and then have a podcast about it. And so Natalie and Allie have seen all of the Star Wars movies, but hadn't seen the prequels in a very long time, and or didn't really remember them. Austin has seen all of them. Rob Zachney had seen all of them up until Attack of the Clones, and then hated Attack of the Clones so much he never watched Revenge of the Sith and never watched any of the sequels. Uh, so they were going to rewatch episodes one and two, and then watch all of the Clone Wars cartoon, and then watch Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and they realized about halfway through season one of the Clone Wars that that is impossible. You will not understand anything that's going on in the Clone Wars cartoon without having watched Revenge of the Sith. So they just take a break in the middle of season one to watch episode three uh, before going back. So wow. it's very funny. Again, it's like very loose um, bantery vibes. But what I would like you to listen to for your assignment is the first five episodes not counting the little, like, two-minute trailer intro episode. So okay. that, that will take you through The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Those are the first two episodes. There's then a Q&A episode that I just think is very funny that gives you a good window into them just, like, bantering, answering questions from the cast about, like, what their lightsabers would be, as well as, like, deep questions about the political realities of the Republic and things like that. Um, and then the next two episodes after that are them reviewing the Clone Wars movie. So the Clone Wars cartoon starts with a movie. Um, so them doing that. And then the fourth episode, or episode number four, which will be the fifth episode you listen to, because their Q&A is not numbered, um, is reviewing the first four episodes of the Clone Wars cartoon. So in total, it's about, over those five episodes, it's about 11 or 12 hours of audio. That's a lot. It's a lot of audio, but for you have a, that's a lot for a little number of episodes. Um, they have a multiple... great thing about 
this podcast is they will listen they will watch two 20 minute cartoon episodes and then talk about it for three hours yes uh almost all of the episodes let me double check to be sure before i say this and it turns out to be a lot yes all of the episodes you will listen to have longer run times than the source media that they are talking about that's amazing. This, so this is what I mean. <laughs> this is fully my vibe. I'm constantly pushing us to make this podcast longer and go uh, deeper and more navel-gazy into all of these things. Uh, so I, I need you to listen to this both because I think it's a great podcast and also uh, to give you inspiration. I really like um, Star Wars. I really like talking, obviously, and, and go taking really like deep dives into media um you do understand that i have an awful attention span right that's fine here's the thing i am i'm slightly nervous because historically i remember a long time ago um you were ranting and raving about friends at the table and i tried to listen to it and i couldn't because i got so overwhelmingly bored with just the audio media for Mm -hmm. so long Sure, but here's the thing about this, right? This is a little lighter. Friends of the Table, if if you zone out for a few minutes or something like that, it can be difficult. There are a lot of uh, characters you're not familiar with, you know, places you don't know, a lot of proper nouns, things like that, that can make it difficult to... And, you know, they are weaving a fiction on Friends of the Table. I think always, you know, actual play podcasts, things like that, require a lot of focus and attention. This is fundamentally like a review and discussion podcast about media I know you have already watched. So if you zone out slightly, you're not going to like miss something that you need to go back and do. And because it's a podcast, it's very easy to like do dishes or other stuff. Again, like while I'm while I'm listening to an actual play show, I can't really like do anything. I can't like do work or anything like that. But if I'm listening to this or a sports podcast, you know, something a little lighter, a little more referential. It's a little bit easier, and I think you're going to have an easier time. Okay, well, I'm definitely curious as to how they could talk about all of these for longer than the source (laughs) material. Uh, You'll find out. But we shall see. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Hard Sell, uh, episode 11. Um, in a couple weeks, uh, I will come back with my verdict and my thoughts on a more civilized age, uh, very long episodes of podcasts talking about, uh, Star Wars, and I will have a new pitch for Tim, uh, a reminder that, well, I guess by the time this airs, the live stream will already happened. Correct. So, if you tuned in, we appreciate you. Um. But you can uh, find us on Twitter uh, at Hard Sell Show, or you can send us an email at uh, hardsellshow at gmail.com. Um, and if you listen, if you've played Outer Wilds, we'd love to hear about it <laughs> because this podcast is certainly just a front for us to talk about Outer Wilds as much as we can. Uh, so we'd love to hear about that or any other comments or thoughts or suggestions for new pitches. We'd love to take them. Um, Anything else to add, my dear friends? No. Check out Catch You on the Flippity Flop, a spinoff <laughs> podcast coming to a podcast player of your choice soon. It's a spinoff podcast about trampolining while counting cards uh, <laughs> and four well, other I, things. I, bo- both at the same time. Yes. All right. Anyways, uh, as I've tumbled <laughs> through this outro, I will catch you on the Flippity Flip. <laughs> Catch you on the flippity flop. I'm trying. I know. Kyle, tell me. Where are you from? Oh my god. Oh no. Crumbly Square. Um, no. <laughs> I'm I'm from a small town in Massachusetts. Perfect. Kyle, tell me what okay, you think like about... Okay, like, two of our listeners are gonna get that. Yeah, Maybe we can, not even. <laughs> we can cut that out. I wasn't planning. That doesn't actually have anything to do with the hard sell. I just, I said Kyle, and it reminded me of it. But I didn't do it.
Uh, now I don't know how to get it back, so I think we should. Uh, I think we should cut this one. Put it at the end. Okay, great. Kyle. You broke Kyle. I just pushed him the last. I pushed the broken pieces over the edge. <laughs> <laughs>